So we talk a lot about selling online these days because there's this idea that brick-and-mortar shops are slowly dying. But it is possible to have a brick-and-mortar shop and be super successful. And my guest today, Shannon Cornish, has done exactly that for the last decade. She is a traditionally trained jeweller, and she now has her own shop with a couple of uh, jewellers working for her and with her as well. And she's also a member of my Thriver Circle and has been for a number of years. So she um, and I have a great conversation about this different way of doing business, you know, the more traditional way of doing business and how she's managed to make it a success for her. And it's really, really interesting to hear. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Shannon Cornish. This is episode 214 of the Create and Thrive podcast. And hey, if you haven't already, make sure you've gotten over and signed yourself up for my 10 days of deal celebration. I'm celebrating being self-employed for a whole decade and uh, I'm offering a whole bunch of discounts and specials on all my courses, the Thriver Circle, and also a few things jewelry-wise as well. So if you want to get access to that, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash get deals. That's all one word, get deals. And you'll get them sent to your inbox for the 10 days of the celebration. Uh, I'm really enjoying celebrating being self-employed for a whole decade. It's kind of mind-blowing. Um, but I just wanted to do something, you know, a bit bigger and give back to you, those of you who've been here, who've, you know, uh, been listening to the podcast for a long time, my supporters, uh, people in the Thriver Circle. And yeah, I just wanted to kind of celebrate by giving a whole bunch of specials to you guys. So make sure to check that out, com forward slash get deals. So you don't miss out on what is basically the biggest deals of the decade (laughs) that I am offering. Hey, I might do the same thing for my 20th anniversary. Who knows? That's a little ways off yet. So let's get started with this episode, shall we? Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. So today we are joined by my friend and student, Shannon Cornish. Welcome so much to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you because I've known you online for a number of years now and sort of seen what you've been working on and uh, you have a different business model to a lot of people. I talk with, I would say it's more of the old school business model where you actually have a shop and you have you did an apprenticeship and all that sort of thing and so but you are thinking about or hoping to move more into the online space so we're going to talk about that background and where you're hoping to go with your business today which I'm really looking forward to but speaking of which can you give us a little background on where your journey started with your business and how it's grown since then? Ah, it was sort of an accident. Um, I ended up in the jewellery industry um, because I didn't know what I wanted to do and somebody reminded me that maybe I should remember what it was I wanted to do as a child. And I was 18 at that time and I thought, oh, I'm not having a baby because that's (laughs) what I always wanted to do. I thought a little bit harder and um, I realised I just wanted to make jewellery. And I 
I rang the TAFE and they put me in contact with someone who ran private classes. That was Matthew Hale. And I can just still remember that feeling from the first lesson, you know, when I made my first ring and I brought it home. So that was nearly 20 years ago now. That was wow. year 2000. Um, and I, you know, learned a bit more what an apprenticeship is versus art school and things. And in the end, I decided an apprenticeship was for me. Um, but I had to sort of took me four years to find one. So oh, right. I worked part-time in a stationery shop and I kept working part-time for Matthew while I was doing classes as well. I studied bookkeeping because I just had a gut feeling I might end up in small business and I'm really glad I did that. Mm. Um, I even worked in a jewellery factory for a while. That was worth doing but was a bit soul-destroying when you're mm. a creative person. Um, and in the end I got an apprenticeship with Matthew and uh, worked with him for six years. And then I can't even remember how it happened We just... Um, my partner at that time and I saw a property and just thought, gee, that'd make a good shop. And we sold our family, like our first home that we'd only owned three years and bought the shop and wow. renovated it and um, <laughs> just opened it. I had hardly any stock. Um, I had no idea what a target audience was. I had no business plan. Um, I just expected to work a second job while I was getting it off the ground. I had the good support of a couple of artist friends who were helping me with the sort of keeping the doors open and mm. talking to people and things. So and yeah, I prepared for all sorts of scenarios, um, you know, what could go wrong or what might what might need to be done. Um, but I just didn't prepare for the fact that I would get more work than I knew what to do with. <laughs> and so wow. I just feel like I've been chasing my tail since then. So that's nearly 10 years ago now. So um, July, end of July 2010, we opened. So wow. yeah, we're going to hit the 10 year mark soon, which is exciting. That's very exciting. And congratulations for that. Thank you. So... How did this how, how did this whole getting more work than I knew what to do with? How did that come about? Um, I guess I just made designs that I liked and I put them in the sh you know in the showcase and people would come in and look at them and you know friends and family would come and visit and then they'd bring other friends and family and because <laughs> we're in the main street of a small country town and right. people would um, I probably had my prices really really too low for handmade. Mm. They probably still are. Print <laughs> 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 them up, but. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I think too, because I'd been wearing the things I'd been making in classes mm. and, and I, you know, I'd go to the supermarket and someone would say, oh, gee, I love that frog pendant. Where did you get it? And I'd say, oh, I made it. And they'd say, oh, can I buy one and scribble the number down <laughs> on a piece of paper? And so I was already selling things and um, I guess I'd worked in another jewellery business. So I sort of, I saw that back end of a jewellery business, although that was run from home. So I didn't see mm. the retail side of it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was yeah it just happened I don't really know <laughs> so was it you and your partner at the time working in the business or just you uh my partner at the time helped me renovate the building and get it up and running and then once we opened the doors um that was pretty much my my space and my my interest level mm -hmm. um I had two artists sort of working with me mainly one um Catherine who she you know she helped me nail down the nails in the floorboards before we polished them <laughs> like that and she helped me because we were open seven days a week so she was right seven days a week and um and we just we actually had other artists work it was a bit more like a gallery space mm -hmm. and I had my workshop right in the front room so you walked in the door and you saw you saw me working you know yeah, that's cool and so yeah that was it just kind of happened um and yeah I don't know how to <laughs> I can't it's a long time ago now mm. so were you the only jeweler in your town 
Yes. Yeah, there is another one um, a few towns up and I did go and speak to him before I opened my business, but we were quite different people. I worked at the time a lot in silver. He was really a high-end gold gemstone jeweller. I mean, I do that work as well, but at the time I, I opened the shop with just a lot of the more simpler silver handmade pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but I soon got my own following of people and we, we certainly probably now make more engagement rings and wedding rings than we sell in silver jewellery. So, right. um, But there's space for all of us. Um, and yeah, we just different styles, and um, the jeweler up the road has is he does hand engraving, and mm-hmm. he's got a um, real distinctive style. And I have a few styles of my own that have sort of come out over the years, and so yeah, it's good. Um, it's nice to have other creative people around too. <laughs> yeah, and you have a couple of staff now, don't you? Yeah. So it wasn't very long after we'd been open that a um, high school student came, sort of knocking and asking me some really interesting questions about jewellery and he sort of talked to me about what he'd been doing. He'd been teaching himself how to make jewellery at home and and he just asked really clever questions and was so passionate and he was um, trying to finish high school. He wanted to do um, jewellery when he'd finished and we looked into it and in the end I, on a whim almost, <laughs> um, took him on as a school-based apprentice. So his name's Joshua and he's still with me now. He's um, been qualified for a while and um, he put his hands up and we now run classes they've been running for four years and he teaches jewelry classes wow it's just his thing he really suits him so yeah I started quite early on with you know one day a week my my little school-based apprentice and then (laughs) he was full-time and then he finished and then he's still with me and um and then I've got um when we started classes we needed some admin support so we hired Yvette who's still with us as well and um she does classes and she's been a customer before that and so she really understands our business and Mm. um she does a couple of days a week and she manages most of the classes, booking a lot of admin and, and customer service when she is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was um, pregnant, I needed to work out how to keep the jewellery side of things running. Yeah. And so um, I talked to a few people and then uh, Ben turned up and he it just seemed to it just seemed to fit, just seemed to work. So he walked in, and I almost pretty much walked out three weeks after he started, <laughs> and and then I sat at home and waited for two weeks for this baby to come because he, <laughs> he was not moving anywhere. Um, but yeah, and I think it just yeah it just happened. So there's the three of them now, and then of course there's all the the unpaid people that support you when you're mm. on a business. So yeah, there's yeah it's a big team now. <laughs> That's, I really love this idea and as a self, basically self-taught jeweller, so it's a whole different world, you know, I kind of did a course and then I just mucked around and I have a very limited skill set obviously because I only know the stuff that I've learned but I've managed to spin a business out of that whereas you have full in-depth training um, and it's something that you can now pass on like via your apprenticeship. That must be a really good feeling to be able to pass that on. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's why I waited four years to secure mm-hmm. an apprenticeship um, because I could see that uni students just weren't getting the range of skills that you need to run a business mm. um, and that there's, you know, there's some real traditional ways of making jewellery and traditional skills that just don't get taught in, a, I guess, a course. Um, mm-hmm. You only learn it from being on site and being exposed to a variety of things. Um, but, yeah, certainly it felt good to be able to return the favour that you know, Matthew taught me and I was so grateful for that and all the opportunities he gave me in those six years I worked with him. And so it felt nice to be able to do that with somebody who was a, like a sponge. <laughs> Josh is so <laughs> great. I'd be careful what I say because he listens to everything. Um, <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, 
you know, if I, I told him my one regret that I had during my, you know, my start of my career and he took that on board and um, he's sort of, yeah, he just runs with the ball and he learns everything, teaches himself new stuff. So it's been really nice to sort of see him take what he can learn from me and then just keep going, which mm. is um, sometimes a little bit, oh, I wish that was me running ahead, <laughs> learning all those new skills, um, where I'm back here learning how to record podcasts with somebody or <laughs> and other skills that are maybe not my favourite things to learn but still mm. part of the process. So how has that journey I mean I know a bit of this because obviously you're in the driver <laughs> circle and I've seen what you've been working on for the last few years but for the benefit of our listeners how has that journey been for you kind of going from a traditional jeweler running a brick and mortar store uh, sort of you know as I said sort of the the old way of doing it which is still a hundred percent valid way of doing business but many people don't think to do business that way you know when they think of starting a business now it's like oh I'll start an online business or I'll do markets or whatever so how much do you want to shift or, or do you want to shift or do you just want to add an extra element by selling online and and working on that online audience as well I think the the idea for me is to add it so um you know, my my toddler is two and a half now and I'm home with him a few days a week and he's only in care for three days a week and that's only when he's well, so he's often unwell. <laughs> um, and uh, my wife works full time um, and in the future we'd, we'd hope to have another child. So I, felt, I sort of feel like if I can get an online shop, that gives us more scope to work from home. It gives us um, another income stream that is perhaps easier to manage from a different location. So my shop mm. is 45 minutes from my home now. Wow. And okay. so it's not like I can just nick out once, you know, the toddlers asleep and get an hour under my belt, you know. So uh, we're setting up a workshop at home, but it's not going to be a full workshop and I won't be doing engagement rings and things. And, you know, when you're an exhausted, sleep-deprived parent, <laughs> you don't really want to be making, you know, $1,000 rings. And that's what Ben's for now. Yeah. He has to manage all those big stressful jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly do, you know, a little bit of that still, but I try really hard to be doing the back end of the business and the growing the business. And, um, yeah, so I sort of felt like the online shop is something I want to add just to give us um, another platform that maybe might lead to then people coming to us for bigger jobs later on. So, you know, might buy a, a, a hand-cut, saw-pierced $200 pendant or something as a gift and see the quality of it, enjoy their interaction with us and then consider actually maybe I can have a handmade engagement ring made. You know, so I guess building relationships with people in more ways than one. So are you in a location where people, it might be like a destination, like close enough to a capital city or something like that, where people can come out and actually visit your shop? Yeah, we get a lot of people up from Adelaide all the time. Mm -hmm. So we're in Adelaide Hills, which is, you know, a sort of touristy, it's also a bit of lifestyle. So the local community are fantastic. We have most, I guess most of our customers are really locals. And I say that local as in across the hills mm -hmm. um but you know people will travel so we get people who google us and they come up from from town um and we have people from you know interstate um i think bend in a skype consult not so long ago with mm -hmm. people we never even met them and <laughs> <laughs> and and yes emails and phone calls and there's a lot of ways to do things um but yeah it's you know there's you know the cheese place and the chocolate place and all the wineries and stuff right, around yep. here. So, yeah, if you're going to, you know, you're going to come up and talk about your handmade engagement, you can go somewhere nice for lunch and then pop into your favourite winery on the way home. So, yeah, we're, we're out of the way but not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, you're in, a, you're in a tourist area, which is fantastic. 
Um, yeah. But I'm also most, close enough to... Yeah, most of our customers are not tourists. Mm. So, and I get, I mean, we used to open seven days a week and um, I get a lot of people still saying, well, why don't you open Sundays? And I'll, Because tourists are lovely and they want to look at the workshop and they're fascinated in what you do, but they're not here to buy two, $300 pieces of jewellery. Mm. They don't, they, you know, they don't come back to buy their engagement rings because they've gone home. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, working Sundays was lovely for the customer and exhausting for us. Yeah, and not <laughs> Yeah. It. So, yeah so what percentage of your client work would be sort of the custom work versus just somebody walking in the door and buying something oh most of it to be honest I think right. the first few years it was more so um, people would see things in the showcase and if there wasn't what they wanted then they would design something and then as my silver stock increased I would sell um, more from of the silver range out of the showcase um, but certainly all our gold jewelry is always to order you know if you're going to spend that kind of money you want it personalized you want it mm. you know just right so we keep a small selection but uh, you know someone will say I love that but I want it in yellow instead of white gold or I love that and I want <laughs> I want a blue sapphire instead of a green sapphire or so mm-hmm. you know you keep a small selection for people to um to get a taste of your style and your quality and then you sit and work with them on their design. So that's where most of our um, income comes from, to be honest. And the classes as well is a really good part of our stable sort of income. It's steady throughout the year. Um, Whereas, you know, engagement rings are a bit seasonal and, you know, right now we're six weeks from Christmas as we're recording this and um, we're pulling our hair out, you know. (laughs) We're a little bit stressed. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then there'll be times of the year where we go, oh, oh, we might get that, you know, (laughs) might try and finally finish some stock for the showcase or something. Mm -hmm. um, But, yeah, we've never been bored, that's for sure. (laughs) So with the designing, are you the only designer or are you the core designer and your staff? like um, Ben and, sorry, was it Joshua? Josh, yeah. Josh, yeah. Do they do their own designs alongside yours? So Ben does um, these days since he started with us, he's handling most of the commissions for the customers. So mm-hmm. most of the design work specific relating to a customer is done by Ben. Um, I do most of the design work for um, the new sort of silver designs and things, mostly because that's what I enjoy doing. <laughs> um, and we don't release too many new ones each year anyway. Um mm-hmm. But it just, it's a bit of a collaboration. So we um, felt like we had some nice gemstones recently that needed to go into some stock pieces for the showcase. And Ben and I sort of worked together. So some of them I might have sort of said, this is what I want. And he said, oh, I've got this idea for this one. And then we sort of, you know, obviously I get to have the final say. That's the Mm. work of of my role. But, yeah, Ben certainly had a big input in the last lot of stock pieces we designed. Um, And we did an exhibition, not the one just gone but the one before Ben did a couple of pieces just in his own designs outright that he came up with um and Josh has got his full own range so one of our showcases so we have a sort of an upright showcase that's full of just work by Josh that's his designs and his styles and it's quite distinct from mine Mm -hmm. um my only stipulation is that he obviously puts in the same quality as what I expect within my own work so Mm -hmm. Um, the products are on par and we do um, compare our pricing structures so that it's it's similar so people don't look at you know bangle that I've made and see why is that so different to the price of the bangle that Josh has made so mm-hmm. we do try and make sure that we're pricing our work using a similar formula mm-hmm. um, and we do have um, handmade glass beads by Sky, who's um, been a great friend of mine for many years and um, she makes a range of glass bead jewellery and puts that in there. So, Okay. Yeah, so it's a little bit of everything. That's really cool. So do your staff work on sort of salary plus commission sort of? No, they're all on wages. So okay, yeah. Uh, well, no, I say that. Um, 
Ben and Yvette are on hourly wages, um, so they get paid for what they do, and I try throughout the year to give them sort of perks and in bonuses and little, we're just little things to mm. make them know I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Josh uh, was always employed, obviously, as an apprentice. He was, you know, just a, a, on apprentice wages and then permanent wages when that finished. But uh, because of the structure of the classes and the freedom, he wanted to pick his schedule with that, so mm-hmm. teaching days and nights and things. And, and the amount of tools he's supplying now, he's actually contracts to me. So, okay. um, yeah, he'll um, and his pieces that he's made in his own time with his own materials are on consignment and Sky's work is, is also on consignment. Okay, that's really interesting. I love that sort of mix of of things going on in there, you know, that you've kind of created this space so it's not only for you, it's also for these people who are part of your world as well now. Yeah, and there's been times where I've just thought, this is too hard, I think I need to stop, mm. I, need, I need out. And I've then I thought about them and they, you know, come in and Ben says, gee, I've had a great week and I love my job. It's, you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and Josh just teaching is just his thing. It just suits yeah. him so much. So I don't, I feel like it's our business. It's not mm. my business anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for going. That's really lovely. So what are the what are the challenges you're facing now taking the business in a new direction? Uh, I guess it's just the time for me mm. and I guess it's always money. I mean, <laughs> you're pretty lucky if you don't have to crunch the numbers hard. But, um, you know, I'm looking, you know, looking after that tiny human all the time and, mm. and there's just such a finite amount of time that I have to work on things. So, um, you know, I guess before having a child I could put in a late night or I could stay at a friend's house close by and just do a couple of long days or, you know, I can work on my weekends and that, mm. but you just can't do that anymore. Um, and so, yeah, it's just that challenge of of where to put my focus. So there's so many good ideas that roll through your head and people suggest things and your team suggests things, but, it, you know, you can only do so much. So I guess finding a focus point and not deviating too far from that so mm-hmm. um a focus point at the moment which is thanks to my new accountant <laughs> is <laughs> catching the numbers and measuring them so you know how many leads are we getting where are they coming from how are they finding us what are they asking for and what are they actually then you know how are they converting to a customer and mm-hmm. if they're not converting at what point are they dropping off and um what you know where's i guess where is the biggest impact so that if we're going to do any you know specific marketing we know where to put our energy and mm-hmm. if we're going to increase a certain area of the business we know which area is sort of the most profitable I suppose or yeah. you know so yeah measuring at the moment so that we know which bits to focus on but yeah it's really hard not to get distracted and run off and think, oh and I'll get the online shop running and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll <laughs> <laughs> the online shop is just something I pick up every now and then and, mm. and take the next step on it you know start thinking about terms and conditions or something and then I have to put it down and go back to my one project (laughs) yeah do you feel like is it something you really want to do or you is it feel something you feel like you kind of have to do because of the way the modern world is going um oh no I honestly feel like if we didn't have an online shop it wouldn't affect us for the next foreseeable few years it's Mm -hmm. not it's not I guess and that's because you know our main income is jewelry classes engagement rings and wedding rings and those I guess because our wedding rings are often diamond set or they're gold and they have to fit with an existing ring or so I guess a bit different to the wedding rings that you're doing. And so we 
people want that face-to-face interaction. Mm. They want to come in and say, oh, my gosh, it's made right here in this workshop by these mm. crazy people. And, <laughs> and they like the whole experience of it. And the jury classes, it's very much in-house. Um, I guess for us it's just thinking about long-term, mm. what are the other ways we can support our business? Um, and, you know, there's only so many people you can fit in a class and only so many classes you can teach in a week. So being able to take maybe some of our tutorials online down the future or having some online resources that people who can't get to us physically could also access um, would be great. And and I guess to, you know, a lot of my customers have moved away now or they have mm. family overseas or interstate. And so I occasionally get an email or a phone call saying, have you got this in stock? You know, I bought one for so-and-so, now I want another one and can you post it to me in Perth or can you post it to me here or there? And um, we had a few overseas clients. Often they'll tee it up to pick it up while they're here though. So they'll mm-hmm. be coming back to Australia in October. Can I, you know, can I order this and can you have it ready? Or, um, or I'm going overseas and I want to take these gifts with me. Can we have them ready? So I guess having an online shop might give some of my existing customers just a little bit more ease to access some of our more baseline products, Mm -hmm. um, which is a nice idea. Um, And I guess if it took off, then that gives me scope to add more people to our team Um, because it would be really lovely. I can sort of see down the track, really nice for us to have another apprentice who had a different skill set to us. So somebody who was really interested in the digital side of things Mm -hmm. um, Although Sky is great and helps us with that a lot. Um, at the moment, she just won't bill me and I keep having to pay her in jewellery, <laughs> which is not so bad for me, but um, I don't want to take too much advantage of that. Um, but yeah. she's really talented at that side of things. But, yeah, it would be great to have another person that we could really train to the specifics of our business, I suppose, so mm-hmm. that we had a relief teacher or a second teacher or um, and then in turn there'd be somebody to help us keep that online stock moving through. Yeah, absolutely. So to get back to, you were mentioning before, uh, to, you know, your, your plans moving forward is sort of measuring the metrics and, and tracking the customer journey. Where are most of your customers coming from? Is it word of mouth? I think so. And this is the thing, I haven't really tracked it well enough to have enough data yet. But yeah, Mm. it it seems like foot traffic or word of mouth. We're also getting a fair few from Google. And I'm, um, I, what what did I say? We're approaching 10 years. We got, we didn't get a website until we were five years into business. Wow. Okay. So lots of people used to come and say, you should have a website. (laughs) That's my biggest bugbear. Don't walk into someone else's business and tell them what they should be doing. (laughs) really not what they want to hear I know I should have a website but I wasn't prepared to have a website with really bad photography and Mm -hmm. and getting good photos when you're just busy trying to make a ring and get it out the door before the wedding (laughs) like the time constraints the technology the the knowledge like photographing highly polished jewelry is an art form in itself Mm, yes (laughs) so um and writing content you have to write content Mm. for a website and and at the time, I was, you know, Josh was helping me with stock and then um, we were about to start classes and that was it. You know, there wasn't, you know, I'm making a lot of the commission work myself. I'm, I'm, I'm the one sweeping the floor or delegating it to Josh. Or, you, know, we, you know, we have to do everything, wages, bass. There's, there's so much that goes into running a business that you can't spend you know two weeks writing content you've just got to be keeping up everything else so Mm -hmm. yeah it just took a long time to get it off the ground but um it was good once we did and I didn't do it myself um I paid um, a company to do it and they were actually a marketing company more than a website company Mm -hmm. 
and I don't know what they did, but the SEO seems to be working really well. So that's <laughs> fantastic. It's nice. Yeah, people are finding us um, through there. So I haven't done the num. I have. That's what we're doing right now is mm. finding the best system for us to collect that data and then measure it and go from there. So what do you? What would you say has been one of the most rewarding aspects of having your own business? Most rewarding is probably the flexibility. Mm. So, you know, if I want to shut shop and go to the family reunion, that's my prerogative. I don't have to apply for leave. I can just <laughs> do it. Um, and if I want to skip out early, I can. If I want to work late, I can. And now obviously having a, a job that that's probably one of the main reasons I've stayed in business is I want that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously getting to make my own designs and, um, and seeing the smile on the customer's face. When you make them cry, that's even better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we get a few of those. Um, yeah. And working with just such cool people like my team, it's really fun to work with different people with different interests. And, like we, you know, we all come from very different areas of interest. Um, so our hobbies and our our upbringings, everything, you know, it's just nice mm. to be around those people and the creative people that, you know, I've made a few close friends and um, that's been really fabulous as well. Do you have like a long-term vision of where you want your business to go, say in the next five or ten years? I'm really bad at that stuff. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I opened with no business plan. <laughs> you did it right for someone with no business plan. In some ways I think it was good because if I had a, such a clear defined goal, I probably would have thought my target audience was more my own people, my own age who wanted designs more in my taste but it's not my target audience is actually quite different and mm. what I sell is quite different to what I actually expected would sell so in some ways I just kind of did a whole lot of market research didn't I and mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I just sort of responded to what what was coming in but now I think it's time to start defining what do I want for the future um, which in the short term is really just to make sure that I can have the most flexibility around children and I guess once they're in school to be able to sort of maybe work school hours and things like that. Um, and longer term, I think maybe some more financial security for myself. You know, when you're the boss, sometimes you don't get paid as much as your staff if mm. it's a lean week, you know. Yeah. Um, they always get paid before you do, which is fine. But it's been 10 years now. And while I do take a regular wage now, I, I think in due course I'd like that to be a little bit more and make sure my superannuation is at the point it should be and Mm. (laughs) um yeah there's no point pouring in all the hours if you're not getting anything out of it um but yeah and not losing sight of my skill development so Mm. like while I really enjoy building systems and I enjoy the customer interaction at the end of the day I like to sit down at my jury bench and make something (laughs) and I don't do that very often anymore Mm. Um, so yeah it's hard and it's something I've sort of been thinking I need to define it a little bit more um yeah I'm not very good at forward planning Jess (laughs) (laughs) well it seems to be whatever you're doing seems to be working so far which is good. Um, but I, yeah, I think that idea of, I, I'm not particularly good at it either. Part of it is because I don't like boxing myself in. Uh, you know, I like to be a bit more flexible. Like these are the potential paths I could take myself on and I can plan like a year ahead, but any more than that seems just too far away. Uh, so I kind of get that. Yeah. I, I guess too, like if I let myself 
imagine I'd probably, there's a few other business ideas that I've got that deviate from what we're doing now. Right. Um, but it's, you know, you can't run, well, you do, but not all of us can run <laughs> multiple businesses um, and take our eye off the ball. But maybe one day there'll be space to explore one of those other ideas. Um, and I, I, I don't know if she'll be pleased me saying this, but my wife, Brooke, she's so sensible and practical and she really helps me find my way back when I'm a bit lost in overwhelm. Mm. So she works full time for someone else and I'd, I'd really like it if she worked with me. Yes. <laughs> that that might, may be a really good idea, a really bad idea, but that maybe that's <laughs> the pie in the sky dream would be to have that flexibility for both of us to, to work on a business that, you know, then we both can be flexible in our hours and not having to answer to someone else's roster. I do recommend that. It is nice. Yeah, when both of you. Well. Yeah, when both <laughs> of you work the business and you can kind of do your own thing, it's, yeah. it's very freeing. <laughs> I really enjoyed the podcast where you interviewed Nick. That was right. <laughs> really fun, that behind-the-scenes one. I enjoyed that. Oh, thank you. It took me a long time to convince him to come on the show, but he finally <laughs> did. Uh, for those of you who want to check that one out, my if you're not familiar, I do. My partner or well, my husband, Nick, works with me in the business full-time and uh, we did an episode. I can't remember the number, but I'll put it in the show notes so you can check that out. Uh, what would you say to somebody a young person in your situation or anybody really sort of thinking about starting a creative business, whether it's a brick and mortar business or an online business, what is some advice that you would have for them? Oh, I actually, I don't feel qualified to give advice, Jess. I, don't, I feel like a beginner, <laughs> you know, like, and that's so funny, like 20 years of making jewelry and nearly 10 years of running a shop and I still feel like a beginner. So I guess that in itself tells you something about business, but, um, oh, I guess maybe don't try and do it all yourself mm. so as soon as you can afford it or maybe even before that, start <laughs> delegating or outsourcing um, and especially the parts you hate doing because mm. procrastinate otherwise on those things um, and that you can't expect immediate success. It does take time to build it step by step by step mm. um, and obviously everybody's journey is different but I mean, I'll be honest and say that running a business is one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I'm still doing it. So, you know, mm. you've got if you've got some inner pool that makes you want to do it, then maybe you've just got to trust that instinct and just don't give up. If you're determined, by all means, you know, if something's not working, try another way. But you, you can't give up if it's what your heart desires, I suppose. Mm. Um, but, yeah, maybe ask me again in another 10 years. <laughs> I, I did studying bookkeeping was handy because I now have an understanding of what's happening in the background of zero mm. when I'm using it. Um, yeah. But I use my op. And so understanding the fundamentals of bookkeeping, that's really handy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> my brain's wired that way. It, it doesn't mind the number crunching. So I guess mm. if thing, maybe that wouldn't be helpful. So, yeah. Hilariously, that was the, literally the first thing I outsourced to Nick was the bookkeeping. Exactly. So maybe it wouldn't have been good for you, but that was something <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed. I liked knowing what, you know, so I use a bookkeeper now um, mm. and Yvette does some of the bank reconciliation and the invoicing and all of that side of it. So I really do very little of it now, but I know what's going on. So if there's a problem, yes. I, I, I know where to look and how to fix it or at least yes. questions to ask of the right people. Um, whereas when I worked for, I've, you know, I've worked in a few small businesses and there was one in particular that I, w I just witnessed a bookkeeper coming in and making assumptions about that business and and it was wrong and it was going to cost mm. that person a lot of money. Um, and because that person didn't know what they were doing, they mm. couldn't pick those errors up. So I think it's useful 
to have a basic understanding, even if you are going to delegate it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I think finances is so important. Like I check in every week and look at our numbers and, you know, see what's going on with the incoming and the outgoing and are we making as much in this area that we did last month and are we spending more than we should in any area? So, I, you know, checking in on that stuff regularly is, I think, incredibly important to anybody yeah. in business because if you're not, like bus- the point of business is to make money uh, and if you're not making money or if you, you know, you're spending too much money, then you're going in the wrong direction. So being aware of what's happening with the, your money is paramount. Yeah, and I guess too, when um, if you are going to outsource some of it, make sure they're the right person and mm. and that it's working. Oh my God. Um, I, there's been a few times I've persevered with the wrong person. Um, oh, same. Or just you know, they can be lovely and they might be really good mm. for someone else's business. But if if you're not getting an outcome and it's somebody you're paying, then that's yeah, don't persist for too long. Um, yeah, I, that's a great lesson. <laughs> Yeah, I learned that the hard way multiple times. So it's just not unique. I was talking to Ben about this yesterday and he says, you know, that's just part of having a business is yeah. learning those things the hard way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's, it's especially when <laughs> you want to be nice, but sometimes you just need to be the boss. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have to remember you're the customer. And so you're mm. getting that, yeah. So sometimes I think if you're going to employ an outside person like if you're going to um, bring somebody in to help with a specific thing knowing what you're out like what your outcomes are and what you're so you know saying I will this is why I've brought you into my business mm. and if they're not helping you get that and they're taking you off path and it doesn't feel quite right then I think you know you need to pull back in and say no hang on a minute <laughs> this mm. is what we're trying to do here so it's really easy to get led off by someone else or falsely reassured by someone oh no you're doing all the right things that's fine when you want to be aiming higher than where they're aiming for you kind of thing that's a really good point and also finally I just want to kind of bring back what you said jokingly but saying you feel like a beginner I think that's actually a really profound point because I think the minute that you stop learning you stop kind of being sort of wide-eyed and willing to experiment with new things is the time when it just stops working probably I don't know I've never been there (laughs) (laughs) but that having that beginner's mind and always being willing to try new things and always being willing to experiment I think is the key to why you and many other people are successful yeah and just have a go you know Mm. just try I, I remember early on I had a real fear of failure and um and I was particularly stressed at one point and I told my mum you know I'm just so scared of failing and she said what does that mean? What, what, would, what would failing be? And I couldn't even answer the question. And she said, so having a go and realising that's not the right path for you or it's not working, is that failing? And I was like, well, no. So oh, my God, I that's brilliant. It. I had this fear of failure, but I couldn't even define failure. Um, and, yeah, and similarly I've struggled to define success because it's, mm. it's not an end goal for me. It's just a continual process. So success right now means you know, when I got sick and I missed three weeks of one of our most crucial times of the year, my team stepped up and just took care of my business. And the whole time I've been off looking after a baby, they've just taken care of my business. That's success to me right mm. right at the moment, you know, and success in two years' time will be something different again. <laughs> so you've heard it here, people. Success is a process. I love that. I love that so much. And define what you're so afraid of. And if you can't define it, then you just... Yeah, what's, what are you so afraid of? <laughs> I really like, you know, um, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, courage is um, what, f- being really, really afraid and jumping in anyway. Yes. So, yeah, all of those things. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. 
Uh, did you have a quote to share with us today? Well, I just did two. Gosh, how many do you want? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, at the moment, I have to say I find myself, you know, like anybody with little kids will relate to this. I just find myself muttering under my breath all the time, this too shall pass, yeah. this too shall pass. But um, I think the one that I probably need to be, you know, maybe have it tattooed on my forehead is I do enough and I am mm. enough. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think everybody needs that. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm, well, I'm doing a range of, well, I'd like to do a range of new designs for my 10 years since I opened the shop and 20 years since I've been a jeweller. And one of the ideas is incorporating that enough into it. So mm. we'll see. Watch this space. We'll see if I manage to get it done. I will be watching it. You will tell Otherwise, us. it might be for like 11 years or 12 years. <laughs> just hold it for the, tw the yeah, next 20 and 30 anniversary. Yeah, yeah, we'll just um, roll it out slowly. But yeah, so many ideas and not enough time to execute them all. That's, that's I think that's kind of uh, the plaque above the door that you walk through when you start a business is. Oh, yeah. Too many ideas, never enough time to implement yeah. them all. And um, if you just accept that, that's kind of half the battle one. Yeah, and a lot of customers are really fascinated by the creative process, especially mm. if they're not really creative or they haven't learned to identify their own creativity is probably more the point. And they come in, they say, oh, gosh, do you ever worry you're going to run out of ideas? And I say to them, if I never had another idea for the rest of my life, I've already got a backlog of ideas that would <laughs> last me my lifetime. Like if I, I just go through my sketchbooks or my notes, you know, I've got little notes and keywords written down and sketches everywhere and I, I I would get to the end of my life and still have some left, I'm sure. So, yeah, you have to wake up in the night and scroll them down sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and get an insight into your business journey and everything that you have done amazingly over the last 20 years now. Well, thank you. It was much more fun and a lot less scary than I thought it would be. <laughs> and a good trip down memory lane for me. Excellent. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thank oh, you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What, we what? can't go yet. Why not? Tell people where to find you. Oh, shannoncornish.com.au. <laughs> easy. Well, well, go check you out. There. Yes. All the Instagram and Facebook links are on the website. It's easy. And go check out Shannon's absolutely beautiful work. Thank you such a blast talking to Shannon and finding out how she's managed to turn her brick and mortar business into a success. I've actually got another interview coming up with you in the next few weeks with the polar opposite of that. Someone who's much more like me, someone who has uh, run an online exclusive jewelry business for the last 10 years and is doing an amazing job of that. So if you want to hear the kind of compare and contrast uh, make sure to listen in for that episode coming to you in the next few weeks. I'm really excited to bring that one to you too. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to head on over to creatandthrive.com forward slash get deals and sign up so you get access to all of these huge discounts that I'm going to be sending your way over the next 10 days. Don't miss out. I'd literally... I've not offered anything like this ever before. So it is a big deal and I want you to be part of it. So head on over createandthrive.com forward slash get deals so you don't miss out on all of the things I'm going to be offering at a very big discount uh, in order to celebrate my decade of self-employment. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate you spending your time with me and trusting you to help me with your, to help me, to help you. <laughs> trusting me to help you with your handmade business journey. Um, and I will be back again next week with another episode of the show. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.